What's up guys, Connor O'Hanlon here again for another episode of the Con O Show, um, and today is going to be a guide to how to strategically vote and why we have to strategically vote. This is not going to be about a specific election, it's not about a specific election cycle, it's just a, uh, a basis and logic and reasoning on how to strategically vote. Um, and you can apply this to whatever race you may have. Uh, and obviously, this comes with the caveat that we have different systems for different elections. So some places have runoff elections, some places don't. Generally speaking, what I'm talking about is uh, a winner-take-all, like one election, uh, whether that be a primary election or a general election. Uh it generally is uh, is applicable, but it's more so focused on like the general election, 1v1, or even if it's like five, six candidates, it's just how do you pick the right candidate, generally speaking, so that you have uh, the ability to win. Um, and that's more so tilted to be like, how do you win for a progressive value? Um, because that's where I'm coming from strategically. That's how I operate and why I do what I do and how I vote the way I vote. Um, I guess the best way to illustrate this will be through the analysis of like a, a Joe Biden versus Donald Trump election. And yes, it's going to be frustrating for some people definitely are going to disagree with me and that's okay. Um, I value people's opinions on disagreeing about this but uh at least try to listen to this reasoning and if you disagree with it that's fine um before i really dive into it um go ahead and follow me on twitter at con ohanlon and you can follow the show on facebook the con o show if you uh have questions or guest requests please feel free to send them over via facebook twitter or emailing me um any of those are totally cool so, without all that being said, we can start by analyzing the type of uh, system that we have electorally. Now, this is like poli-sci, you know, 101 for some people, but it's also important to point out because we're not really taught civics anymore in, in school. Uh, we're not taught uh, the inner workings of government the way that previous generations have been. You know, I didn't know any of this stuff until I went to college and, and I took classes specifically around civics and, and poli-sci and, and it's pretty sad that I needed to do that. Um, the same way that in previous episodes I've talked about my accounting background and how I didn't, I wouldn't have known what a marginal tax rate was or what, you know, the breakup of a progressive taxism was if I didn't go to college for accounting. And that's kind of sad. Um, these are things that really are applicable to real life and that's, I mean, I guess that's a, that's a, a topic for when, when I can probably get like an education reformer on and talk with them about that. But with that being said, um, you have to look at this through the lens of, and both of these, the, the strategy applies both to any system, but for us, we have to analyze a presidential system. And yeah, it sounds obvious because we have a president that we have a presidential system. 
it's not quite so simple, but presidential system is set up in a way basically that there are two parties, uh, almost always two parties that are major dominant uh, parties. It's winner take all. So basically, if you have an electoral system, the president that gets, you know, whatever it is, the most votes, or in our case, the most electoral college votes, they become the president. And whatever, um, <clears throat> say it's a Senate race, the senator that gets the most uh, votes in their state wins. That's it. There's no proportionality. There's no dividing among other parties. If you vote for the Green Party, that's too bad. Uh, unless, I mean, unless there's a major upset that's, you know, it's usually just too bad. Uh, it's usually the Republican or the Democrat. And on a rare occasion, like Bernie Sanders, you get an independent. There, I mean, there are, I think, two independents in the Senate. So you think out of 100 senators, 98 of them are either a Democrat or a Republican. And, you know, Bernie, uh, you know, is basically a Democrat. And I, I am drawing, a, I think the other guy's king. Uh, not Steve King, I don't think, but it doesn't really matter. Um, what is important to know is that it's winner take all. The levers of power are gained specifically by just winning. And that winning a plurality usually, um, can be a majority. I guess I would probably guess that most victories are a majority because most people do vote, even though there's a huge chunk of the population that identify as independents, which is crazy to think about. I think really you could probably make the argument, um, and granted like half the population doesn't vote, but that independents really do make up a, maybe a plurality, you know, it's not a majority, but a plurality of uh, voters or eligible voters, but they don't vote that way. Um, generally speaking, independents vote one way or the other. So it's important to know that the two-party dynamic is baked into the system. Yes, it is literally baked into the system. And if you know your history, you know that you know George Washington was against a two-party system. Well, unfortunately, in practicality, the presidential system is inherently a two-party system. The way that it's been set up, everywhere that it's ever been set up. Um, but, you know, a two-party system is certainly better than a one-party system. Um, and for everything that is wrong with the two-party system, the I, I wouldn't say the opposite, but the, the countering... Uh, thought is a parliamentary system and in a parliamentary system again they vary but in a parliamentary system you have systems that are set up that have proportionality built in so um, for example if we're electing uh, just say if we turn the because again because the examples don't exactly apply directly one-to-one -one, but just say the United States we changed and we rewrote the constitution and we have a parliamentary system now and <clears throat> we get to elect prime ministers instead of uh or, or um yeah pms instead of uh our congressmen so when we vote i could vote for a labor party or a democratic party or whatever the the conservative parties would be 
and it's divvied up proportionally and representation is attained proportionally you get more representation based on your true identity generally speaking in a parliamentary system however it is important to know that the plurality ends up being the winners in that still yes there are coalitions that need to be formed and that is the interesting overlap between the two systems if you have a labor party and a liberal party say in like you know the uk or whatever it is and i'm, I'm probably butchering the party's names and because i'm mixing them up just off the top of my head but if you have the labor party and the liberal party they're gonna have to work together and form a coalition if they want to beat um the conservative party or the two conservative parties or the three conservative parties or the four whatever it is the number is so in the end there's a lot of practicality that just comes with having a two-party system and that's not to say i support it i would actually prefer that we did have a parliamentary system in some cases um i think it actually does allow for diversity and that and that choice of being different and now you can we can make arguments later about you know ranked choice voting and all that stuff but with the way that things are set up right now i view a parliamentary system as being more uh allowing of a diverse range of parties to exist and without being labeled as a spoiler vote because those are proportionally allocated and those coalitions can be formed the overlap between the two is that the Democratic Party, I can make the argument much easier with the Democratic Party at least, is a coalition of what would be multiple different parties. If I was in a different country, I'd probably be more in a labor party, more of a progressive party. There are more center uh, center. Uh, left parties that exist and those two parties combined in our country to basically make the democratic party of today and it's the coalition of things that say you know i believe in medicare for all and an, and a centrist democrat believes in obamacare in in any logical uh thinking of through this it would be so obvious that we're not the same ideology. We're not the we shouldn't be in the same party, but because the powers of this uh, that are designed through the system lever, they they they're diametrically opposed with two parties. So you have to. It's either you're with us or you're with them, and that's how it works in this system the coalitions are formed before the elections happen. In a parliamentary system, the coalitions, yeah, the, generally speaking, the same parties can work together, but they're formed after an election. Because if a, if a Labour Party absolutely decimates everybody else, right, and they got the most votes, then they don't really need a coalition. 
But if the Labour Party gets 20% and the Liberal Party gets 20% and another party gets 20 and it's divvied up, you need those coalitions to work together to get anything done. And in theory, that is that was what our our presidential system was supposed to be uh, a system that encouraged cooperation through having you know two parties and having to have 60 votes to pass anything in the senate and whatever because the filibuster and if you really don't you know if you don't need the filibuster you can get 51 votes um but if if someone in the other party is so opposed to whatever you're doing you need to get 60 whatever the filibuster is is effectively gone in american politics right now um it's only ever leveraged by the republicans and it's it's gone on judicial appointees which is insane so that republicans right now that have a 51 majority uh even if they lost one vote they would have the vice president right now that could break ties etc so the checks and balances of our our system have failed in many in many ways because of the intentions that were you know that were good but they failed they fell through they eroded over time and there's plenty of left-wing people that would argue we should get rid of the filibuster you if you win you should get rid of that and i think in practicality i would agree with that but in in theory so to be clear in reality i would support that but in theory there should be the check on the the government the the party in power because let's just take it to the extreme here if donald trump wants to you know do whatever he wants to do say something absolutely heinous which is you know a lot of what he wants to do there's no check on his power through the ability of filibustering or if you do, if only if you control if we control the house yes you can you can hold hold back some of the power that the president has but how far does that go how effective is that i'd argue it's not that effective um you especially when you have a swing election where the bar, the party in power has all the branches of government and for two years the republicans had the supreme court they had the senate and they had the house we took the house back democrats in, two, in 2018 it's funny though because the democrats took back the house with a much wider range of identities and i'm talking about political ideologies than the republicans did in 2010 with the tea party the tea party was one thing in 2018 we had how many centrists win i got it i got news for you if you're a leftist like me a lot a lot of centrists won and how many progressives won a lot it was a mixture of everything it was people that fit their fit their district and people that pushed the envelope 
of their district and people that just rose at the right time, etc., etc., etc. It's different. These people would not be in the same party. So it's crazy to even think that in a year where Democrats, a party, won, that AOC won, and even, you know, people that are super centrist won. Can't think of one right off the top of my head that really comes to mind that stands out. But we had the, you know, the squad win, and we had all the centrists win. It's just an interesting introspective of it and just pointing it out and how this system works as it is. So now, diving into it a little bit more on the strategy of voting and how we operate. If we take the example that I brought up in the beginning of Joe Biden and Donald Trump. To me, it's quite obvious that Joe Biden is better than Donald Trump. Um, yes, there are plenty of issues with Joe Biden, and I don't feel like I need to go over them if you're listening to this. Um, however, electorally, if we had a parliamentary system, I would say, okay, Go ahead, vote vote third party. Go ahead, vote for you know a write in of Bernie, or if we had ranked choice choice voting. Go ahead, make Bernie your number one and make Joe Biden number two, whatever it is. But we don't. So the logic has to be, in my opinion, and let me be clear, this is my opinion. So if you disagree, that's okay. But it has to be based on a harm reduction system. If you think that Joe Biden is terrible, or you think that Hillary Clinton was terrible, guess what? You know who's worse? Donald Trump. And if you want to say, okay, they have to uh, earn my vote, or they have to come to some sort of... um, conclusion that it gives us something as progressives to want that's fair i mean it's a, it's a fair criticism to say like yo if you if you know if you come closer to medicare for all or if you support medicare for all i will support you and vote for you in the end joe biden and his advisors know they should at least that on the other end is donald trump who wants to get rid of health, like uh, public health care? Who wants to get rid of Obamacare altogether? And he's not talking about getting rid of it and replacing it with Medicare for all. Let's be clear. He's not talking about a Green New Deal. He's not talking about college, uh, universal college. He's not talking about expanding education uh, funding. He's talking about cutting Medicaid, cutting Medicare, cutting Social Security, cutting all the programs that you and I support, he's talking about getting rid of, or at least cutting drastically. Do you think that Joe Biden would get rid of the CDC um, group? 
for pandemics? No, he wouldn't. Do you think that he would get rid of Obamacare? No, he wouldn't. Do you think that he would actively go against the environment? No, he wouldn't. That's not to absolve Joe Biden, or any candidate for that matter, of their bad positions. Yes, Joe Biden probably is going to be way more supportive of oil and gas than Bernie would, right? Obviously. However, you have to compare it to reality. In that situation, you have to choose between what is, you know, for the lack of a better term, the lesser of two evils. Strategically, the future of the country is better under a centrist Democrat rather than a right-wing, arguably fascist. That's, without a doubt, 100% true. I don't agree with neoliberalism. I don't agree with centrists. But I have to work with them. Because they are my allies, because we have the common enemy. It sucks that that's the system that we had, but it is what it is. No third parties are breaking through. They're not. We don't have a parliamentary system. We don't even have ranked choice voting. Strategically, if we're talking about the presidency, and you give a crap about gay marriage being protected, abortion being protected, public unions being protected. The Supreme Court is so important to that. And the next president picks, arguably is going to pick at least one to two, if not multiple, um, Supreme Court justices. Depending on if people retire, you know, God forbid someone dies. But realistically, they're at least going to probably pick one. <laughs> Unless Ruth Bader Ginsburg lives to be like 100, um, the next person's going to pick at least one. And that's so important. Gay marriage was, is legal because of the Supreme Court. Abortion is legal because of the Supreme Court. And you know what? Every, every president that, uh, presidential candidate on that stage for the Democrats said, yeah, I'll pass the legislation. Well, guess what? They're not going to pass legislation. They're not going to pass it. They're not going to be able to pass that legislation that is saying that uh, an, uh, the right to an abortion, uh, they're not going to pass that legislation that is, is guaranteeing that right. Uh, it's just not going to happen. There's not enough support for that within the caucuses that they have. Right now, at least, if the Democrats take over whatever three hundred seats in the or whatever in the in the House and take a seventy percent of the Senate, then fine. Because I do support that, but it's logistically not gonna happen. So the Supreme Court is arguably the most important. But then you go down and you say the federal courts. These federal courts are so important; they make way more decisions. And everything that stops right before the Supreme Court, they go to the federal courts. And those federal courts make 
a ton of decisions that really affect people. And it, go, it works its way down. Real quick, before we go into more of like a local, more of a local, uh, you know, statewide elections, whatever. Here's an example of harm reduction that happened in a parliamentary system. This is the logic that has to be utilized if we want any sort of success. I believe it was 2017. Again, I'm going off the top of my head. Could have been 2018. I was still in college, but France had their elections. France is one form of a parliamentary system. I believe they have both a prime minister and a president. Could be wrong. But they were having an election wherein they had a literal fascist running, Marine Le Pen. And the French had an actual progressive running in the Labour Party, I believe. And they had, um, what's his name? <laughs> the, French, the current French Prime Minister. Uh, running as I look him up real quick <laughs> but if the two um, parties did not work together oh, they had Macron running so if they had a progressive running Macron running and a fascist running realistically you have to get one of the two elected, Macron or Progressive. If you can chip away from the conservative any portion of that, do it. If you can consolidate around one person that will ensure a plurality or a majority, then you have to do it. And realistically, in the end, to stop Marine Le Pen, People had to rally around Macron. And they had to elect Macron. If people decided to vote solely out of their morality and principle, we could have had Marine Le Pen instead of Emmanuel Macron. And yes, Macron is not that good. However, the left wing of any country is going to be better and well, much better suited and well prepared to take on fights against centrists than they are against literal fascists. We can gain much more out of a Joe Biden presidency by pulling him left. And yes, it's not necessarily like he's going to budge much. He's a freaking 70-whatever-year-old man. But we can pull him left much more than we can pull Donald Trump left because Donald Trump coming left is not, you know, it's, it's not doing anything. If you have, you know, Joe Biden's okay and Trump is terrible, if you pull Trump towards okay, he's still, like, more, he's still closer to terrible. 
it's, you know, it's hard because I get it. The moral justification for not wanting to vote for people for certain things. And I get it. If it's not like a contested election, that's really, really important. Fair enough. Whatever. But when it's the difference of life and death for people, it really does matter. I mean, the difference between expanded Medicaid in certain states is life and death to plenty of people. And without Obamacare, there wouldn't have been expanded Medicaid. I mean, really, if if it wasn't for Obamacare, there probably wouldn't be there could. There's an argument to be like, well, after a while, they would just get rid of Medicaid altogether because conservatives don't value that. And it would just be like, yeah, just give poor people private insurance and have them buy it from whatever market that they can afford from whatever it is, something, I don't know, something ludicrous. But that's the way it is. <laughs> now, I think it's important to point out that it happens in parliamentary systems, this strategic voting still, because if it doesn't, you get people like Boris Johnson and you get people like Marine Le Pen. And I'm, that's not to say that you shouldn't have voted for Jeremy Corbyn, right? If you're in the UK, but it's, it's the realization of like, okay, we need to strategically align ourselves and sometimes you lose. But in our system, we don't even have that option. It's one or the other. And that's why it's really, really important. If you're talking about president. Now, let's dive down, take it a little bit deeper into, okay, say you have uh, a state election, statewide election. For Pennsylvania, we have an auditor general election with six people. How on earth can you pick between six of them? Okay, so like let's say for me, and this is 100% my thought process, to be clear. We have six reasonably qualified, if not really qualified, candidates to be Auditor General. And this is in a primary, also to be clear, if you're not you know, from Pennsylvania. We have six really qualified candidates. I met every single one of them. I talked to every single one of them. I asked questions to every single one of them. Two of them stood out to me. One was a CPA, one was a scientist. If you want to take for that, for what it is. Uh, and both of them were reasonably personable. Not that that really matters to me. But for an Auditor General's position, which is not really all that political, um, it is political, but it's not the most political position. It's kind of like a huge accountant. Um, I think it's I think it is important to have at least some sort of per, like uh, personable person there that can talk to people and and get that stuff out there and communicate themselves well because they're in control of a budget and they they work on a statewide budget. But someone that actually does believe in progressive values is important to me because of their control of the budget and auditing people and looking into how governments are spending money and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that's important to me because I think that people should be held to account and regulations important. So those two stood out to me because they were the progressives in the race 
They were really qualified. And how do I decide between those two now? Well, really, it's the sad reality of it, but it came down to I wanted to see who was raising more money, who was effectively campaigning, who's got TV ads, who's got digital ads, and that's how I really decided. I saw more of one candidate than another. And I know them. But think in reality, if you and I are really into politics, right, we might know these candidates, we might have understood their positions, but there's people that don't pay attention, but they get influenced by TV ads, uh, social media ads, those people vote. And they're going to vote for the people that have the most recognizable name, they recognize their face, etc. So it's important that we strategically choose who we vote for there. I chose based on that. I didn't really look at the money. I don't know that money in the end is the end-all be-all of primaries always. Um, because once you get the nomination, generally speaking, you'll raise more money. But it's an important factor. And I, I think seeing TV ads and seeing ads out there is a telling sign of how much money someone's got, usually. Um, but for statewide, it's hard because they're, you know, it's hard to know. Like, I voted for John Fetterman when he ran for Senate. It was hard for me to know. Like, I have no, sh no, ch no idea if he's going to win or not. But I can guess, and I can, and for Senate, it's a little different because it's more of a, I vote based on my ideology. And that's, again, it's, it's a primary because if you lose in the primary, say like he wasn't, John Fetterman wasn't running against Bob Casey, but if John Fetterman was running against Bob Casey in a primary, in theory, I would vote for John Fetterman 100% of the time. But I would vote for Bob Casey over a Republican. Get it? Because it's always about the primary can be about choosing your best candidate. The general cannot. <laughs> the general has to be between who can really win and who can be the best suited for harm reduction. And really, hopefully, um, someday, soon, we'll get people that are, you know, are the AOCs, are the Bernie Sanders that can actually expand and do what we actually like. But... It's a case-by-case -case basis. You know, it's not always clear-cut. And we do have, the, like I just said, we do have races in the primary that, like, th these candidates are almost indistinguishable in ideology. Well, how do you choose? Okay, well, you got to choose who's got the best chance of winning. It's, it's electoralism. It sucks. But that isn't, that's what matters. And it works its way all the way down. All the way down. And I'll just I'll just close by saying like it matters so much how you vote. I bring it up almost every episode. Not because I'm, you know, bitter or salty or whatever, but I lost by thirty eight votes. And that is a difference between passing meaningful legislation to protect the environment, to protect the LGBTQ community, to protect water sources, to protect 
uh, and expand affordable housing. 38 people. That's 0.1% margin. And that works its way up for everything. And that could be because I didn't turn enough people out. Whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is um, exactly. There's a state rep from Pennsylvania that lost by 10. 10 votes. There's not all that much that you can do campaigning-wise that can justify that difference. You know, like, you can always beat yourself up in retrospect and say, I could have knocked, you know, 40 more doors to get 10 more people out, whatever it is. But coming at it from a voter's perspective, and now I'm, you know, I'm leading a democratic organization. Look, it's on us to get out and vote. It's on us. People don't really earn our vote. As much as we'd like to, and I'd like to make people do that, people don't learn from previous elections. People don't uh, change because of that. If anything, sometimes they get worse, but they don't change for the better a lot of those times. Like, we didn't get Bernie Sanders after, uh, you know, Hillary lost. We got Joe Biden after Hillary lost. And that's, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know which one's better or worse, but it doesn't really matter. Like, we didn't meaningfully move to the left in our choice there. And it's about strategy and the coalition building and the work that needs to be done. And I know this kind of loops back to like what I've been talking about in other episodes. It's like you have to get in at the grassroots. You have to get in on the ground level and you have to be willing to put in the work because some people view it as you got to earn my vote. But really, it's incumbent upon us to get me, you and all of our friends, all the people we know to vote. It's our duty to vote. It's not, it's our right to vote, right? But you can't let that right be squandered by just being like, well, you know, both of them are bad. And yeah, it's a kind of a meme, but we have to do it. It is, voting is a right, but it's also a duty. So we have to take it seriously. We're lucky to have it. But we can't just keep throwing it away. We have to have strategy behind how we vote. And it has to be, in my opinion, about reducing harm for people that otherwise would be affected by terrible policy. With all that being said, thank you guys for listening for to this week's episode. Uh, if you haven't already, go check out last week's episode where I had an interview with Jeff Kennedy. Um, it was a really long one, so if you enjoy this, you'll definitely like that. More history-based on that one. Um, but please, 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 share, like, uh, follow on Twitter, Facebook, and I really appreciate it. If you guys have any guest, guest re uh, requests, please do send them my way, uh, and I will see you guys next week. Take care.